This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast, the podcast designed to help you if you've landed a leadership role through no fault of your own and now need to find out what you should be doing. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and have been there and know what it feels like and made all the mistakes. In each episode, I'll be getting to grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. You'll find out why they do what they do and take away some top tips you can use to become a more confident leader. For more content and to keep in touch with how the project is developing, go to www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. If you have any comments about the episode, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. So let's crack on with the show. Today I'm talking to Adrian Chase. Adrian says he's quite often people will say to him, so you're a business coach then, Adrian? His answer to them is always, what I actually do is coach people that happen to have a business. He says, for me, it's always people first and business second. I see my job as helping my clients to be in a better position to help others. I'm very honest with myself in terms of who I can help and I am proud of what my clients achieve. When he works with people, he impresses upon them that they need to make themselves their number one priority and in that way, they will be in a powerful position to be able to help others. What he actually does is remove resistance for people that have put up their own thought barriers. I hope you enjoy this chat we had about staying calm and I'll catch you all on the other side. So Adrian, welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Hi Mark. We um, met some time ago and I, I seem to remember that uh, I think you were one of my first one-to-ones uh, within a networking environment because of I, a previous yes. <laughs> my retail background. Never did re- uh, networking, but I seem to remember it was quite a while ago. But I think you were a one-to-one. And anybody that's wondering what a one-to-one is, it's just a meeting when two people after a networking meeting sort of get together and have a chat. So um, yeah, we, that, that was I think that's our first time when we had a bit of a, a really proper discussion. But here we are again having another discussion. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So before we get stuck into the topic, we're going to be talking about um, um, staying calm. Um, before we do that, um, let's uh, tell us about, about uh, why you do what you do and what was that pivotal moment that took you down that path? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I quite often think and I ask my clients to look back through their lives and, and quite often there's this thread that runs through your life and you don't really appreciate it maybe at the times you think about it. Mm. It's only when you look back on your life and you think, hmm, I was like that then. Uh, when, so when the situations happened, you know, I was like that then. So that's what I must be like. And we don't realize it until someone really brings it out of us. So my, my story is quite simple, really. I, I worked, uh, like yourself, in retail for a long time. And I sort of left. Uh, didn't know really what I was going to do. So I took up uh, bookkeeping and accounts. Anyway, I'd been networking a while and, and it was okay. You know, it wasn't mega successful, but it was okay. And I, I met a coach called Dave Smith who said to me, you know, would, would, you know, would you want to be better at networking, landing more clients? And I said, well, yeah, that would be marvellous. 
And he said, well, I can help you do that, Adrian. And so I sort of took the plunge. Yeah, it was a big decision for me at the time. Um, and being in the corporate world to that length of time, I'd never even heard of coaches, you know, didn't know what they were, what they did or anything. Um, and within three or four months, I was landing clients, sometimes two in one meeting. And, and it was all about really the way he got me to think and the way I asked questions, the way I spoke about how I helped people. And the reason I mention this is because I've always been one that liked to help people. I, you know, back in my retail days, I was more than chuffed to have people promoted from my department. Uh, a lot of people in the business wouldn't want their best people promoted, you know. Uh, but I was always for putting, you know, pushing people forward and helping them get better. So um, what I did in a small way is started helping other bookkeepers and accountants get better at landing clients. And I've been doing this a while. And what happened was I, I met another coach, um, a guy called Basmini. And he said to me, Adrian, he said, when you talk about when you're working with people, helping them, you know, land, land more clients or, you know, talk about their thinking process, he said, you light up. You don't light up when you talk about bookkeeping and accounts. So what he did is said to me, you know, I can help you get to that place where, you know, possibly you can do it full time. So, so that's what happened. Um, so in a way, I, I, I sort of call myself a, a product of a product <laughs> because I've been coached, because I got fascinated by it, because I got better at coaching myself. Um, I now do the same for other people that was done to me. In, in other words, I was a bit lost. I wasn't sure where I, where I was going to go. And, and now most people that come to me, not every time, but most of the time, is because they're in a place where they're a bit confused as to where they want to go. Um, and they're a bit confused as how they're going to achieve that. And all I do really is I get get them to get to know themselves really, really well first. And then we start talking about where they really want to go and how they're going to achieve that. Mm. So so that's really why I do what I do. It's to simply is to help others. And it's such a thrill. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent with you there, um, Adrian. And it's interesting what you said about, um, um, pushing people forward. And I think I relate to that. I was, I was always the one that when we had like 16 year olds join our business, it was really, you know, I would, I always had the back of my mind that when they leave, cause I knew they would leave and probably go to university or whatever. Um, yeah. and it's what, what are they going to be like in that two year period? How can I help develop them? And, 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 and that has always been something that was sort of always at the back of my mind, but probably wasn't something that was focused, but you know, that, that comes um, to the forefront when you start coaching is that actually that's the one thing that yeah. I really, you know, lights me up because I want to see people shine and, and develop and, and get, and, you know, make the most of their opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It's a brilliant feeling. 
And, and and I like the way that you've obviously you've had two sort of pivotal moments meeting two people that first of all saw something that you needed uh, and then somebody saw something actually that you couldn't see yourself and that isn't that a great thing that coaches you know uh, should should be yeah. looking out for. I think, and also, you know, as I say, I'm a product of the product. Mm. I still use coaches now. Um, I, I, I wanted to be much better with my sort of health and nutrition, if you like. Um, and I'm a great believer. And if, if, you know, there's so much misinformation about, so go and speak to an expert, you know, go and speak to someone that knows what they're doing, um, mm. which is what I did. And so now, for example, I'm the way I need, I wanted to be. I'm, I'm as fit as probably I've ever been in a way. Um, and uh, it's such a great feeling. Mm. Brilliant. Excellent. Uh, so um, let's get stuck into the topic today, which is staying calm. And the reason why I chose that is that you um, mentioned something in your marketing about Chase. Chase stays calm. Uh, am I right in saying, saying that? Yeah, Chase keeps calm. Keeps yeah, calm. That's, that's, uh, right. yeah, that's one of my Twitter accounts yeah <laughs> yes i knew i'd seen it somewhere so obviously it's worked because yeah. i've seen it so hopefully other people have seen sure. it um, so yeah. um i think in a leadership position one of the things that one of the, the traits that we have to learn is is really to stay calm uh, in in the face of adversity and and we've both come back come from that retail background and at times uh, i'm sure you agree it's very challenging to to stay calm yeah, I think especially retail. I know everyone's going to say, well, they all do a difficult job and, you know, uh, but but I think the thing about retail, Mark, for me, and I've done, I have done other jobs, but that mainly was my career, um, is that retail, what's happening now is happening now. You know, you can't put it off. So in other words, my simplistic view is if you've got a great big queue at the tools, You've got to deal with it like now, not, I think I'll sort that out tomorrow, you know? And so in a way, retail is a great teacher in terms of you have to do things pretty quickly. You have to make decisions quite quickly. But alongside that can can be a lot of stress, you know? Mm. Yeah, and, and and being in a leadership position in retail, you have to show that you know that um, character that you you don't you have to make quick decisions, but you can't really make decisions that are shooting from the hip. You've got to be stay yeah. in that place of um, understanding what the customer wants, but also understanding where your your um, your staff and your team are coming from. It's 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 those two angles you've got to think about at the same time. Sure. Mm. And uh, the the one thing I, I know about retail, and I know why I was a good manager, uh, was because when the staff needed me, I was there. And what I mean by that, so for for example, just keeping it simple, if there was a big queue, I always used to just jump on another till and get the queue down. And while you're doing that, you can be chatting away, talking about all sorts. Um, and that's where the learning is staff a lot of the time you know what i call on the job you know not necessarily in a classroom but actually you know at the cold face mm. under pressure and you can really help them by saying you know think about it this way you know 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and you've said I've already said it. Retail is such a, a great place to learn all sorts of things about you know how people interact and how you can get the best from people. Um, it's a great um, um, place to um, learn those skills. Um, so when we talk when we talk about staying calm, why is that something that you sort of mentioned? Is why why have you sort of mentioned it when uh, you mentioned it in your Twitter bio? Well, uh, it helps me. Yeah, it helps me to stay calm. I've always been pretty calm, you know. But now because I do what I do and I understand a lot more about calmness, um, I, I can see how it's really helped me, you know. And I can see how it really, really helps me now. Knowing how to handle things. I mean, that's 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 the thing. So, you know. If you look at the stats, you know, something like 90% of top performers are skilled at managing their emotions in order to remain calm. Hmm. And we see it on television a lot. A lot of the top politicians, the, you know, the person that runs the Bank of England, um, when you see them on television talking about what would be one of the most stressful things ever, I should imagine, they are completely in control and calm. So, so that's why it's really important. Yeah. So when you're working with your clients, Adrian, how do you introduce that concept? Is it, is it something that you introduce directly or is it something that you actually, it's what people get from working with you? Um, I think, you know, I think it's a bit of both. Um, the, the way I start with clients, um, I, I, I talk about human needs and uh, it's, a, it's a long, old session. I use um, a set of cards. They're called in, Innate Cards, I-N-N-A-T-E. And um, the great thing about the cards is that they've got graphics on the cards. And so people um, have a visual. Yeah, before I used the cards, I used to ask loads and loads and loads of questions, which is you know, the best way to find out information. But these cards are a brilliant conduit for people to, I, I call, spill the beans, okay? And uh, before before I go through that process with them, I tell them, you know, that, that they're going to tell me everything I need to know and that they will spill the beans. And I, I normally just look at them and say, you will. <laughs> and they do. And they do. Um and the great thing about that is that it enables them to get everything out. You know, they might tell stories about you know what's happened to them in the past. It just brings everything out into the open, which helps me then decide uh, where I first need to take them. You know, <laughs> so there's some. I mean, if I can just tell you a story about um, something that was really stressing a client. And, and and looking at it in a different way than he was looking at it. So uh, his name's Paul, and um, he was sat, he'd been sat with me for two or three months, and uh, yeah, we'd gone through various sessions. And then he said to me one day, "Do you know, Adrian? As we've been talking, I've realised that there's something I really love love to do, and I don't do anymore, and that's cycling." And I said, oh, well, that's a shame. So so why is it that you, you feel you can't cycle anymore? 
Well, like you said, I'm sort of yeah, married now, got two little kiddies. And, you know, I feel a bit guilty about that. And I said, okay. So the first thing I said to him is, you, you know, it sounds as though to me as though you, you feel it's a bit selfish. And he said, well, yeah. I said, okay, well, if we look at the word selfish, just put a hyphen in the middle. Selfish. Yes, you are being selfish. Why do you want to cycle on your bike? Well, because it will help me, you know, again, it will help me sort of keep calm, keep me fitter so I can look after the family. So I said, really, then there's nothing to feel guilty about. So, so I just gave him some advice. I said, why don't you talk to your wife about it? But why don't you do a deal? Why don't you say to your wife, look, I'd love to go out on a Sunday morning for a couple of hours riding my bike. I appreciate, you know, you're at home all day long looking after the kids and doing what, you know, mums do best. Um, but I'm aware that, you know, you need some private time as well. So what when I come back, you know, I'll just have a shower and, and come to, come back down and I'll look after the kids for two or three hours on, on that on the Sunday morning. And you can do what you want, read a book or go where you want. So so she agreed to that. Anyway, uh, a couple of weeks later, Paul was talking about it. I said, how, how, you know, how's the cycling going? And he said, well, he said, it's great, Adrian. I go out now on a Sunday morning on my bike. I love it. It's great thinking time and all, all that stuff. And I come home and then I you know, look after the kids. And sometimes my wife actually doesn't want me to necessarily do that. But he said, do you know what I found? is that now it's the first time in my life that I've spent two or three hours alone with my children. And he said, I've got to the point now where I don't want it not to happen. He said, it's such a joyous thing. Hmm. Who would have thought? And so, yeah, that's just an example really of helping someone, you know, negotiate, think a bit differently. You know, give the other person something. Yeah, you know, rather than, rather than just say, you know, I'm I'm going to go off on my bike for two hours this morning. I mean, that's never going to go down that well. So what I'm what I'm trying to illustrate here is what I teach my clients is to think in a way, you know, think in a process for themselves that helps them, but also think about how that affects other people. And think about how people do what they do and, and why they do it. Because that helps you then give them the solution. That's a great example. There's a couple of things there, actually, I was going to point out. Firstly, it's the, the classic, um, you know, when you're told on the aircraft to put your own mask on if, if needs be before you're helping yeah, yeah. Uh, and And, you know, it illustrates that, that, you, you know, you've got to be the best person you can be so that you can be the best person for your loved ones. And um, sure. and I think I think we all... You know, lose sight of that, and 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 you know the things that we really want to do. As long as they're not things that are actually you know out there and are going to really hurt people, then you know we should do things because we're going to be a better person for it. Uh, you know, that's a really th- a good good thing to to happen, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, something you just said, I quite like this this idea of, of we can do this, but we need to make sure we're not hurting other people. As we do it. And so, for example, Paul was a great example, wasn't it? 
of, you know, give and take. I want this, but I, I can give you that. And actually, in the end, both of them probably got more than they thought they were going to get, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and exactly that. And, and obviously, it's a, it's a win-win situation. Um, and also, something's come out of it that wasn't expected either. And, and, isn't, and isn't that a great thing? So, yeah, it's a great story. It is a great thing. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, uh, so uh, going back to this, um, you know, uh, the, the, the topic of leadership and keeping calm. Um, yeah. Um, is there anything you can think back to in, in your leadership um, back in your retail days that, you know, staying calm worked for you or vice versa, where you maybe on an occasion you didn't uh, and, and, the, and the, the consequences of that? Yes, a good question for me. Um, do you know, Mark, I can't hardly think of any occasion where um, I wasn't calm. <laughs> it's an interesting thing, <laughs> it, but it's true. Yeah. Um, and I notice uh, I, I had a one of the bosses I had, you know, my retail experience was a fantastic guy, really a great leader. Um, and I don't, I don't suppose he's been trained on any of this. He was just naturally very good at understanding other people and knowing how to get them to do, you know, what he thought would be best. Um, when I was a regional manager, there was um, four of us and, this guy was the director in charge of us. And all the region, all four regional managers were totally different characters. You know, uh, there's one that was very bombastic. There was one that was very argumentative. Uh, there was me that was, well, pretty laid back, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> and, and so forth, you know. Um, and he was brilliant at handling all that. And so when I, when I was out with him, doing branch visits, he knew it was absolutely pointless raising his voice. And so what he used to do was embarrass me by something I'd failed to achieve or see. And that, for me, was a killer. Hmm. You know, if he pointed out something, you're a great bloke, Adrian, but you haven't noticed that. I used to think, <laughs> you know, that was a real failure for me. If he had shouted at me, I probably just would have walked off anyway, yeah. you know. Uh, so, so I think I've always been a pretty calm person, to be honest. Yeah, it's yeah. just the way I am. I'm guessing that he was is a bit of a role model for you as well. Obviously, from the way you talked about him there, he's obviously someone that you want to aspire to be like. Well, we're all looking for people like yeah, that. Yeah. What what he taught me was that find out how someone's thinking and then react in the correct way for them, you know, rather than just reacting exactly the same way to everyone you meet because actually it doesn't really work very well, you know. Um, you know, I quite often say, we'll say to clients, yeah, when you meet people that are similar to you, well, that's easy. So, for example, yourself and myself, in some ways we're similar. You know, we've been in retail and yeah. And so it's probably very easy for us to have that meeting. Very easy. Mm. But what when you meet people that you think, wow, you know, 
I don't think I'm ever going to get to like this person or you don't like them from the beginning. And so I think one of the skills I hope I impart to people is this ability to get to understand why others are the way they are. And once you understand that, actually, there's not many people you can't get on with. Hmm. No, it's it's about understanding people's story, isn't it? And uh, you know what people have been through um, shapes us, um, and 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 the people that we've met along the the way, the the people that have influenced us from our parents through to you know other wider family, the people that we meet at work, all those people are we. Well, hopefully, we all are picking up you know good good things from those people, and I think that's um, from from where I come from. Um, from my point of view, I, I think you just pick things from different people and you think, you know, w- what is it about that person I like? Or yeah. vice versa, what is it I don't like about that person so I can say and help myself not be like that? You know, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've had some clients that when I first met them, in my mind, I'm thinking this person is very unlikely to ever be a client. You know, that's my first impression, if you like. Um, and actually, they are clients. And I think it's because, I, you know, I've been able to get past that, you know, idea of, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm going to get on this person and be, be able to ask enough questions. That then I start to understand, all right, okay, I can see now. Why, why that person's got that problem. Mm. Um, and it might be that uh, they're just really not very good at communicating. Mm. It might be that simple. You know, when, when people say to me, do you know, Adrian, it doesn't matter what I say, the staff just seem to just do what they want, <laughs> you know? And eventually, most times, they'll come up with their own conclusion. They'll say to me, do you think I'm communicating in the right way? <laughs> and that's the great thing. And, and you, you'll know, Mark, that's the great thing about coaching. It's drawing out of people, you know, where, where they are, where they want to be, but they'll tell you what's going wrong. If you just, you know, speak to them in the right way, ask the right questions. Yeah. And so I love that. So you can then lead them. And, of course, once they've, once they've said to you, do you think that's the problem? because they know it is, um, then you know where to go straight away. And I love that, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I was just thinking, uh, we're, we're running out of time. We've got, still got a, little, a few few minutes um, before we sum yeah. up. Um, have you got any other stories that um, that would be useful for the listeners that you've, you know, probably stories of other clients that um, have come to you that you've able to sort of help them? Well, look, I, I, I've... I've got one that's about me, I'm afraid. Oh, that's um, fine, yeah. But, 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 but you know, yeah. um, it's something that happened. And, and, and again, I, you know, I talk about this thread that runs back through your life. Uh, so just quickly, um, mm. when I was a sort of teenager, I played in various groups and bands and so forth. Um, and, of course, there comes a time when you do your very first gig. You know, you've got this gear and you've been practicing with other, load, with other lads or whatever it is. Um, but you, you, you book this gig and, 
and the gig was actually at the, uh, it's called the Roundabout Hotel in Fareham, not far from Portsmouth. And that was our first gig. And, you know, I was stressed for months before that gig. Months. Yeah. And all, everything could go could I remember what I'm playing? Could I remember all the notes? You know, would, would they be in the right order? Um, would we go down well? Would the equipment not break down? You know, this sort of stuff. And honestly, you know, when I look back now, it was terrible. And obviously, we did the gig, and actually it went okay, you know, as things normally do. Because I then did more and more and more gigs, it came to me, I just thought about, well, I can't live like this, you know. So what I used to do in the in the end, uh, I was in, you know, as you probably where this group called Chinatown, and and we used to gig a lot. I mean a lot. And uh so I I I then learned that I could flick a switch in terms of getting excited. So before the gig, you know, she set up all the stuff. Um, I probably used to stand at the bar and get a pint. And that was that was my best time. I used to be absolutely calm. I'd be having a pint, looking at the equipment on the stage, thinking, wow, you know, this is going to be a great evening. Um, the only – the time I got nervous was when I we went wherever we were changing uh, to put, you know, our, like our stage clothes on. Um I then allowed myself at that moment, well, right, let's now get excited. And I think that's the thing. I think I think people, you know, can control that if they want to. And uh, you and I know probably quite a few people that over the years have had to do that. You know, mm. they've had to control their nerves. Mm. The great lesson really is that it can be done. No, no one taught me to do that, but it just seemed to make common sense to, you know, say to yourself, this is when I allow myself to get a bit nervous and not before. Yeah. And I, I guess what you're saying there is actually learning to talk to yourself in a way that you probably would to your best friend rather than the way that you would, you know, that internal dialogue that's probably um, you know, not helping you at all. Yeah, and of course, they, you know, I mean, I didn't discuss it with anyone else. Yeah. Everyone in the band probably had their own way or didn't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, it's just a great way of explaining, really, that you, c you can control these things. You yeah, know, they're yeah. thoughts. And if you've got thought control, then you can control a lot of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Right, yeah, well, um, as I mentioned, we're running out of time, so I, the, the time's come to us to sort of wrap things up. And as I always do with my guests, to give them the opportunity to give us three top tips or more, if the case may be. But um, what, how, would you, how would you like to leave us with some, some top tips to take forward? Well, about I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave us with three. <laughs> um, I mean, there are loads of tips, but these are the ones that I suppose have helped me you know, so so why why wouldn't I give those? Mm. So, um, so what, what I'm what I want to talk about is plan, planning ahead. Okay, so it's not always possible to guarantee exactly what may happen, but we probably have a pretty good idea of the general types of pressure you know we may face on a daily basis. So if we decide in advance on a few possibilities that could occur and how you'll handle them, 
being yeah being present and aware giving yourself thinking time will make all the difference and i will say say to everyone you know sit, see in your mind and imagine the very best outcome so you know you may be giving a speech you may be going to a network meeting depending what it is but see in your mind and imagine the very best outcome. Hmm. The other one really is, and we've heard this expression before, but I think it's a great thing. So don't sweat the small stuff. So some tasks are not actually that important, and we have a habit of building them up so, so that they appear more important than they should be. And I think, I don't know about you, Mark, but I think procrastination and these quite often, you know, will allow us to see that some of them can remain undone for later with no major consequences. Yeah. It's important to remember that whereas we have, and this, this to me is crucial to get into the mind, whereas we have get heavier in the mind the longer we leave them there. So things, you know, that might be on your to-do list and they're on there and they're on there and they're on there and you think, I really, really, really must be doing this. It might be something like paying the mortgage. The more you keep them in your mind, the heavier they get. They don't get bigger, they get heavier in the mind. And, and it's important to understand that. So what, you ha what you'll see, you'll see some people may even start to physically stoop as these thoughts get heavier. So I just say, you know, setting priorities helps us to maintain a sense of control. So don't allow that to happen. Brilliant and stuff. really the, the, the last one I've got, um, which a lot of people talk about, but it actually works, so it's worth talking about, is control your breathing. So whenever we're anxious, you know, we can't help it. We, we tend to take quick sort of shallow breaths. And really uh, another word for that is hyperventilating. And, you know, it can make us feel dizzy, lightheaded, um, panicky. Yeah, that also interferes with your judgment. So I just say if you catch yourself hyperventilating, try inhaling a deep breath through your nose, holding it for five seconds and releasing it from your mouth. Repeat this exercise until you feel calmer. It is a form of meditation, but it works. And I, I know I've had moments, not necessarily recently, but moments through my life where, wow, that sure would have helped. Brilliant. I, I, I love those. Um, and I, I must admit, just spending 30 minutes talking to you, I definitely feel calmer just having the opportunity to talk to you for 30 minutes, Adrian. It's been, it's been a I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you for your time today. You've given a great, great value. And I hope to see you. We haven't seen each other in real real flesh, in real life, or no. whatever you want to call it, for some time. You must do that shortly. Um, but for now, yeah. thank you again, and um, have a great day. Thank you ever so much, Mark. It's been a, been a brilliant chat. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to leave a review. 
Don't forget to check out The Reluctant Leader Project at www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. Make a note to start, stop or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. And until next time, be the best you can be. Be the best you can be.